0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: This is a post time with Mike and Mike. Production.
0: Wiglet, Jiggly,
2: what a race! Always be Mickey on the outside. Always be Mickey. They're off and it is on.
3: And betting line has taken the lead.
0: Chief Boom!
1: Like that! You're tuned in to Harness Racing's fastest 90 minutes post-time with Mike and Mike, with co-hosts Mike Carter.
2: Believe in the spirit? Do you believe in miracles?
1: And Mike Boses. Smoking Gun Shaman Hall. Production Smoking Gun is flying. Here comes Smoking Gun. I don't
0: know! Right, yeah. That just happened! That just happened!
3: It's Thursday afternoon, and it's the time for another rendition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Met America. Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And that just happened, as Sugar Doyle said, will be happening in a couple of weeks, Mike Bozich. We've got the USTA presidential debate coming up on February 16th. That's right. It's coming up uh, on Thursday, February
1: 16th, a special 7.30 start time, so make sure you mark that on your calendar. That is one you are not going to want to miss. Hey, I got a view of uh, Joe Biden driving down in the train just now, but uh, <laughs> on, the, on cue, they always, the trains always – they always time it out. Right when the show starts and right when my mic goes on, they go by and they blow the whistle. I love it, especially when they do it at 3 in the morning. But <laughs> Listen, the show's going to be uh, sponsored by Amtrak soon, Okay. Well, it should. They're getting a lot of airtime. But, uh, hey, listen, we've got a great show coming up for you today. We've got uh, our guy from Terra Hills Stud, uh, Dave Heffering, that's going to join us, uh, the manager of Terra Hills Stud. We're going to take a look back uh, through his eyes at the life of Mach 3, obviously a great racehorse, but also a, a great in the breed shed and a tough loss for uh, Terra Hills and Dave Heffering, and we're going to get his feelings about it coming up in just a few minutes. Plus, we've got trainer Nancy Johansson. She's going to be joining us And uh, it's the first full of Horse of the Year Jk, She's a Lady was born. And uh, I think Nancy, uh, she uh, is obviously very high on it by her quote. She's a beautiful filly with a ton of spunk, Mike.
3: Yeah, you know, I saw the uh, video and uh, some of the pictures that they posted, and it's a beautiful young filly, so it'll be interesting to see – Interesting to see uh, what she has to say about the Philly, first Philly by J.K. She's a lady. Tony Alania is going to join the show as well, Mike Bozich. And, you know, Tony was at the Pegasus World Cup at Gulfstream Park this Saturday. It's going to be interesting to hear his opinion on whether or not harness racing could pick up a uh, type of an event or a day like that um, as well. And then the founder of the Retired Racehorse Project, Stuart Pittman, uh, will be a part of the program. Uh, Pittman's involved with the Maryland Horse Council, and uh, he was at Maryland Horse Industry Day. We've had a couple of weeks of uh, Horse Industry Day uh, people, Mike Bozich, and uh, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun to hear what happened there.
1: Yeah, certainly. So we'll get uh, Stewart's point of view on that. Plus, our guy,
3: Gabe Pruitt will be joining
1: us. It has become a can't miss segment on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. And uh, it's our ongoing series of Pompano Park. And Gabe will chime in and uh, tell us uh, about what's going on at the uh, winter capital of harness racing, as they say, in beautiful Pompano Park. Dave Heffering's on deck from Tara Hill Stunt. We're going to get his uh, comments in just a few minutes. You've got uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America.
0: Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way.
1: Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519 400 4263 That's 519 400 4263 It's the stable with Mike and Mike, presented by Embed America. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter. And right now, we're joined by the manager and Tara Hill's stunt, Dave Heffering. Uh, Dave, obviously a, a pretty tough uh, week for you last week with the loss of uh, Mach 3, and certainly our condolences from all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike
4: to you, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Very much appreciated, guys. Thank you.
1: Dave, When uh, tell us a little bit about the early days of Mach 3. What was your first experience with uh, Mach 3? When did you first meet him?
4: Um, Moxley came to our farm, um, you know, after his racing career, he had actually, he had actually coliced at the end of his career and he had gone to, um, had gone to Guelph for surgery and then they brought him up to us and, and, uh, he had lost a lot of weight and everything like that. And he didn't look like much of a horse when, when we got him and, and everything. So that would be, you know, uh, our, my first interaction with the horse when he came.
3: Now Dave, he seemed to be a pretty successful uh, stud. Talk to us a little bit about uh, his breeding career, and was it you know tough to kind of get him going, or was he just kind of a natural?
4: Well, I mean, as far as as, as far as the stallion was concerned, he never had any problem wanting to do his job. I mean, um, you know, as far as like he lived in the he lived in the one thing that he liked to do is he lived in the barn with the mares when he was here in the summer. He had his own paddock, but um he was a little slow getting started but uh once he got going and he always liked to be around all his mares and things like that you know he was good that way as far as his breeding career was concerned you know it was a little it was a little tough tough in the beginning i mean his foals looked good and everything like that they were maybe a little on the small side and that had some people concerned and you know we did go through you know a couple of years where um you know the you know the 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 numbers were were down on the horse and and it wasn't until you know the first couple years you know he bred his first year when he was here as a stallion in 2003 he bred 195 mares and then he in 2005 and 2006 actually when his yearlings sold and maybe they didn't sell quite as well as we had hoped you know his numbers dropped down to like 81 but but what you know really got his got everything going Is when Sunbeach beach somewhere started the race And that really you know You know that was a big that was a big Break for the horse for sure
1: Yeah Sunbeach beach somewhere made uh, Close to uh, well over three million Dollars if my memory serves me correctly I mean Monkey on my wheel market so solar sister Just some great horses that uh, Were offsprings of uh, Mach 3 and If you look at these numbers uh, They're really really uh, Something else I mean From uh, USDA records, over $97 million made by the progeny of uh, Mach 3. Uh, 298 horses that earned over $100,000 or more. 105 of them made over $250,000. I mean, just some unbelievable numbers. Where do we rank Mach 3, Dave, uh, when we start talking about some of the great sires of all time?
4: Well, I think up here in Canada, I mean, he certainly, you know... um... We'll see when it comes out. Like I was gonna look at the stats as far as if he makes a decent, you know, broodmare sire and whatever else. But I think up here in Canada, you can rate, you know, he's not, he's, you could rate him right along with Camluck and everything like that, you know, just has got as got his, you know, gets as much, you know, Camluck was a great horse for up here, and and as things got going for for Mach 3, um, you know, people looked at the, you know, if if and when and, and he did pass away, Camluck was. Uh, you know, the next successor would probably be Mach 3, and that's what we saw in our breeding, you know, up here, we have, it goes all over, but, you know, Canada, especially, is you have what's called, you know, you breed for the commercial market, and you also have breeder racers up here, because you have so many tracks, and people will breed to a horse, and and keep it, and and race it for themselves, and and because they've either got a mare they like, they've kept, and whatever else, and that's what's been the great thing about Mach 3 is that the Mascara's, you know, the owners were always really good, and this horse has always been fairly priced. He'd never been any more than $7,500, and so it allowed everybody to be able to breed to this horse. You could breed to him for that kind of money, and pretty much, you know, maybe you didn't get a horse at two, but certainly at three and four, and, you know, and the longevity of, the, of his offspring. Would go on and on and race and 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 but you could also breed to the horse and know that you could go and 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 sell sell a good looking Mach 3 um, and everything like that. So it, it went both you know it was both sides and it was it, and he was good great for the Canadian uh, North American breeding scene up here for sure.
1: And Mach 3 was just getting I believe he was getting ready because uh, he passed away with the paddock incident in Pennsylvania. He was just getting ready to come back to you guys, wasn't he?
4: Well, he passed away in New Zealand, actually.
1: New Zealand, right? New um, Zealand, right?
4: Yeah, he was he was in New Zealand, and and yes, unfortunately, you know how fate how fate goes. um, You know, um, last year was really tough on the horse. They had a really long trip coming back from down under, and he got pneumonia, and you know, came close to dying then. And this year, you know, and actually, I hadn't really even given any thought uh, until Graham we were discussing about fate and everything like that that um when we discussed uh with the you know they discussed with the owners and we all discussed about what's the quickest way to get these horses home because this year the horses had about 35 hours on the airplane to get home uh, which is longer than it had been in the last previous years and we ended up deciding to take a, a more what we thought was a more direct route for him to come home and had we gone with the other flight he would have gone and sat in um, Melbourne. he would have had to sit in Melbourne for five days before he would have gotten on a plane to come home. And at that time, if we had chosen the Melbourne flight, he would have been already in quarantine at that time. And, and uh, But, you know, accidents happen, things happen, and, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, we'll, we'll move on.
1: Dave, one final question before we let you go. What did, uh, what did Mach 3 mean to you on a personal level?
4: Well, I mean... <clears throat> as far as a horse to be able to work with, I mean, I I think he, you know, he he certainly put us on the map and, you know, and if it wasn't for, you know, the, you know, getting the horse years ago, there was a lot of issues as far as um, when my father was involved in the business and and the deal kind of went south in the partnership when they were trying to buy the horse, but it was John Curtin that put the deal together with Joe Mascara senior and John came to us and asked us, you know, they'd like to stand the horse with us and and uh you know at the time we had been standing we've been standing really nice horses and everything and but he's what really put us on the map and and then the Mascaras, you know, stuck with us all this time. We had other stallions for him and and um and then in 12 when we had the problems with the business here uh when things, you know, changed with the government and the funding and everything like that, the Mascaras stuck it out and and uh you know, uh, this was, they, they were great owners, and so we got a great friendship, and he was a great horse, very photogenic horse, and, and, uh, you know, gave us a lot of your, you know, a lot of fun looking at his pictures and things like that, because you only see some of the pictures that we've, we've taken a the horse, there's a lot of other fun pictures too, so.
1: Well, terrible. Uh, obviously a terrible loss for you guys, certainly a terrible loss for the sport of harness racing, one of the great sires, in my opinion, of all time, Mach 3. Dave, we certainly appreciate you joining us once again on behalf of all of us here at Post Time with Mike. And Mike, condolences out to you guys.
4: Well, thank, thank you very much, everybody.
1: All right, that was Dave Heffering, the... Manager at Terra Hills Stunt that had Mach 3 uh, there for 14 years. Certainly a great loss for uh, the sport of harness racing. Uh, passed away last uh, week. As a matter of fact, we had John Campbell on just a week ago. He was the regular driver for Mach 3 as a three-year-old, won the Meadowlands Pace. Uh, not only great in the breeding shed, but a great racehorse as well. Still a lot to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, coming up, we've got the Stuart Pittman. Stewart is the founder of the Retired Racehorse Project, also has involvement with the Maryland Horse Council. And he was in attendance in Maryland Horse Industry Day, so we'll talk to Stuart a little bit about that. Plus, uh, a very special interview with trainer Tony Alanya. Tony was at the Pegasus Cup at Gulfstream Park. We're going to talk to him about his experiences there and... Uh, we'll start to put some feelers out to see maybe if that's something that the sport of harness racing uh, can adopt. The Pegasus Cup, obviously a wild success in its uh, first year, the richest uh, racehorse in the world, or the richest uh, race in the world, uh, won by we'll have, uh Let's see, what else we got? We got Nancy Johansson coming up. She is the... Uh, we're going to talk about the birth of the first fall of horse of the year. J.K. She's a lady. Plus, we got our guy Gabe Pruitt towards the bottom of the hour, and uh, Gabe is going to uh, take us through our weekly Pompano Park segment, one of our favorite segments. You're not going to want to miss. We've got post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America.
5: Hello, this is Kayla Stra, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest growing, legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. Bet America covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the U.K., and my home country, Australia. New players to Bet America receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the Bet America way.
3: The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired Standard the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit NewVocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Consider who we are.
1: According to the 2010 equine census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million. And our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's mdhorsecouncil.org. On post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Embed America, the founder of the retired Racewords Project. Stuart Pittman is on deck, but first.
3: That's right, we got a little bit of breaking news coming out of Harness Link just a few short minutes ago. Mike Bozich. Uh, the Meadowlands releasing a statement on the New Jersey and the Miss Classic um, in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, we've heard a little bit about this, uh, Mike, uh, about Jeff Goral and the Meadowlands Group having to cancel a couple of uh, early stakes races, and um, of course the uh, the Howard Taylor lawsuit. with the Meadowlands reached out to Harness Link and everybody else today, and basically saying, you know, we just don't have the money for it. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out, but everybody can find that on HarnessLink.com. All right, our good friends at HarnessLink
1: are doing a fantastic job there, so make sure you visit their website. And, uh, hey, if there's any more breaking news on this topic before we go off the air, we'll certainly bring it to you. But right now, we're joined by the founder of the Retired Racehorse Project, our good friend, uh, Stuart Pittman. Stuart, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. All right. Also the past president of the Maryland Horse Council and you guys just had a big day on Tuesday, the Maryland Horse Industry Day. First of all, tell us a little bit about what you do, a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk a little bit about Maryland Horse Industry Day.
6: Well, I uh I live on a farm in Davidsonville, Maryland. We call it Doden Farm Training Center. And I do uh primarily three day vending. But I always rode thoroughbreds off the racetrack and uh ended up kind of creating an organization to increase demand for those horses and uh, get people back into off these European warm bloods and these imports and ride good old American horses, whether they're thoroughbred, standard bred, um, you know, homebred horses that are, that are, uh, you know, ready to start new careers.
1: Maryland Horse Industry Day, Stewart, was uh, obviously a big day, uh, and it uh, covers a lot of ground as far as not only horse racing, but uh, horses and horse sports in the state of Maryland. Tell us a little bit about it. And also, by the way, I do want to throw in there that I read it was heavily attended by legislators, which is always a good sign.
6: Yeah, it it was. Uh, this is the third year we've done this, and uh, it it's grown each year. But what happened this year was that, we we must have done a good job of getting the word out, or people must be concerned because we expected about 125 people, and we had well over 200. Uh, most of them most of them registered the night before, and uh, the folks who organized it. I think you had Kevin Addicts from Growing Fortify on here. Yep. They had they had to uh, make sure that every single one of these people had a meeting set up with the legislator in their district. So we started out by by uh, getting our assignments. We got there at 8 o'clock in the morning, and uh, all 200 of these people were were swarming the halls of Annapolis, uh, meeting with their, with their local representatives. And uh, in some cases, the, the, the representative was in a meeting. In fact, it turned out all the Democrats were in a meeting. They were, all had a, had a little powwow they were doing. And uh, we ended up meeting with staff in those cases, which was fine, because those are usually the people who make the decisions. Um, but then we all gathered back again, and, and uh, when it came to be lunchtime. Of course, all the politicians showed up for a free, free lunch, so they came to us.
1: Tell us a little bit about it. I know a lot of people probably don't realize uh, what the Maryland horse council does. Can you tell us, and I know you're a past president, uh, tell our listeners that don't know what exactly the Maryland horse council is and the purpose that it serves.
6: Yeah, it's uh, I really think it's a, it's one of the best state horse councils in the country. Um, And part of the reason for that is that it really does represent the whole horse industry. So, in Maryland, we got a lot of people who have um, a hand in racing, a hand in in shelling, a hand in different different parts of, of the horse industry, because uh, we go back so far. We got you know families that are you know fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth generation with horses, and uh, and so there's a lot of crossover. And what that's meant is that we can have an organization that everybody uh, joins together in uh, representing thirty thousand people and over a billion dollars, you know, in uh, assets. And um, the, uh, the effect is, is amazing. Um, you know, it hasn't always been – the organization has, like every organization, has had its ups and downs in terms of, of assets and strength and, and um, you know, the ability to really represent the industry. Um, we're, we're, we're becoming very strong, very fast. The last few years has been excellent for us in terms of, you know, winning some campaigns and some issues. Um, but, you know, as, as everybody knows, we almost lost harness racing. We almost lost thoroughbred racing. Um, and, and that's politics. And when you've got when you've got elected officials willing to step in and help, I mean, yeah, it's economics. But but you know, on the thoroughbred side, we had you know we had Frank Stronach owning the tracks had filed for bankruptcy. There was talk of only 45 days of racing and closing Laurel, and and uh, the governor stepped in and forced all the sides to sit down at the table, and they came up with a 10-year plan that that saved thoroughbred racing, and that was because that was politics. Um, and then. Um, that went so well that that now uh, you know the Stronic group has acquired rosecroft and and everybody thought that Rosecroft was going to be at risk and, and it looks like they 're investing in that so um, it really does it really does require people to come together at the grassroots level who are passionate about horses and who understand that you know every sector of the horse industry affects the other you know we 've got to have good vets we 've got to have you know people growing hay people you know feed companies um, you know we all share those. Those businesses, and uh, if a part of the industry dies, then everybody suffers. So it's been, um, it, it's a, it's an important organization.
1: Yeah, obviously, I think a lot of the important dealings with horse racing, certainly uh, in state to state, basically depends on your relationships with the legislators and as we talked about on this program last week it's very tough because legislators have uh, in a lot of cases limited terms so you constantly have a revolving door of new legislators coming in and those legislators they have to be educated right away at the uh, strengths of uh, horse racing and what it could mean to an economy where do you see maryland judging by what you see now and and some of these relationships that you guys have made with uh, some of the current legislators in the state of Maryland, where do you see Maryland horse racing in the future? Maybe even not so distant future, but five, 10 years from now.
6: Well, uh, I, I can't, I can't see it declining any further. I mean, we almost lost thoroughbred racing. We almost lost standardbred racing. You can see it in the breeding uh, in particular Um, on the thoroughbred side, though, just as a result of, of uh, the fact that the tracks are now uh, increasing their handle and doing well. Um, breeding is up and, and they've, they've made sure that breeders benefit from the, from the progress. And so um, breeding was down on the thoroughbred side, two and a half percent last year after continuing to drop since the 2008 recession. Um, and uh, other States are still not coming back. Maryland jumped back up 15% this year, this last year. And um, you know, hopefully that's just the beginning. And I know on the standard bread side that, that there's been an increase. It hasn't been quite as big. Um, but, you know, if the purses are there and the racing is there, the breeding will come back, and that's, that's the farms. And, I mean, we literally we, – we had um, – when, when all of the neighboring states had slots before we did, um, and we couldn't get our elected officials to, to just put it on the ballot and, and let the voters decide for, for a number of years, um, we had farms that were leaving and going to other states – and we even have I mean, I I'm on a, a farm, five hundred and fifty acre farm that's been in my family for eight generations and I got a thing in the mail from some consultant who said, I will help you sell your farm in Maryland and find one in Pennsylvania. And um yeah, it irritated me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> We've been here for a while. <laughs> we don't want to leave. So so hopefully what we see in the next five or ten years is that is that the farms are thriving. You know, what's going on at the tracks is thriving. The tracks are figuring out how to I think they're figuring out how to market to the public in a more modern way. Um, and, um, you know, I sat, I sat at one meeting, um, it was a hearing about racing, uh, about five years ago, maybe it was, it was when things were looking really bad. And, um, you know, I don't like to take sides or anything, you know, in the different parts of, of the industry, but this was, this was when the thoroughbred side was really looking bad and things weren't going well. And, and the legislators were kind of irritated with them and, and they were saying, well, if we do this, you know, if we have slots and if we, you know, if we invest, you know, what is it going to look like? And I didn't hear a good answer out of the thoroughbred side at that point, but the standard folks started coming up with all this great stuff that they wanted to do. There was a lot of enthusiasm um, about, about having community fairs at the racetrack and getting people, getting young people and families to the racetrack. And you could sort of see the legislators, you know, their eyes light up when you talk that way. Um, and um, some of the people on the thoroughbred side were – we're still at the point of talking about doomsday and how bad that would be, and forgot to talk about the positive side. Now the thoroughbred side is is talking all positive. So, um, but it, it's it's got to be communities, it's got to be a new generation of people, it's got to be getting families to the track, um, and uh, and I think I think everybody's figuring that out. So um, it's just a matter of marketing the sports and uh, reminding people how much fun it can be.
1: Stuart Pittman, the founder of the Retired Racehorse Project. Stewart, you guys do fantastic work out there. We certainly appreciate what you do for the uh, sport of horse racing in general in the state of Maryland, and uh, hopefully we can continue on the upswing, my friend.
6: All righty. Well, thanks for having me on.
1: All right, that was Stuart Pittman, and I'll tell you, they've done some fantastic work in the state of Maryland rebuilding not only the harness but the thoroughbred programs, and I'll tell you what, you go to uh, especially Laurel Park and uh, you see the renovations that they have made there, and you see you um, you know, you see Rosecroft with Frank Stronich buying that and the renovations they have made there, uh, certainly a fantastic thing for the state of Maryland. Tony Alani is on deck. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Pegasus Cup at Gulfstream, some of his experiences there. Plus, uh, we'll talk maybe how we can uh, incorporate those kind of thoughts into the sport of harness racing. That's coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by BetAmerica.
7: Hi, this is Mike Tanner, Executive Vice President of the United States Trotting Association. Five candidates have filed to run for the position of USTA President. The election will take place later this month, and the winner will serve out the remaining two years of former President Phil Langley's term. Here's what you need to know. First, the president is elected by a vote of the USTA Board of Directors, and there are 60 people on the board. Secondly, the election will take place during the association's annual meeting, specifically on Monday, February 27th. The winner will be the one who gets the most votes, whether a majority is achieved or not. In a five-way race, that's important to remember. The position of USTA president is an unpaid one, but the influence and involvement that comes with the job is considerable. The president works with the board to establish a business plan, develops consensus around various industry initiatives, has ultimate authority over membership decisions, and sets the tone for the organization. He or she also is responsible for assigning most of the executive committee, a small select group of USTA directors that meets periodically and on an as-needed basis throughout the year to consider developing issues that might affect the industry. Whoever the board chooses on February 27th will largely determine the direction the USTA takes over the next few years. The USTA staff and I look forward to working closely with the new president as soon as he takes office.
1: Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give chip Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Bozic, along with Mike Carter right now. We're joined by trainer Tony Alanya. Tony, welcome to the program, sir. Thanks for having
2: me. Good afternoon.
1: All right. We're gonna we're gonna change gears. We're gonna talk about something a little differently. Usually when we have uh guests on, we talk a little bit about their career, their horses racing. But Tony, you had a chance to go to the Pegasus Cup down at Gulfstream Park. It is now the world's richest horse race, and uh, you were amongst the crowd there. Tell us about your experience, uh, the crowd size, and uh, the general pump of the race, if you will.
2: Yeah, it it was a great experience. Uh, Mike Galato was in town, and uh, he's associated uh, in a small part of California Chrome, uh, his breeding career. And he came by the farm to check on his horses and said, "Would you like to go? Here's the ticket." And I said, "Great!" So I went out there with Pete Wren and uh, ran into a lot of standardbred people, of course, Chris Oaks, Ronnie Burke. Uh, we were well represented. Nancy, Marcus Johansson, and uh, it was a great crowd. I mean, there was a lot of buzz in the air. I mean, people were excited. It was it was really event, an event. You know, people were dressed up. It was uh, very much a Florida version of the Kentucky Derby. Very nice.
3: Now Tony, let's talk a little bit about maybe how we can uh how could you think we could uh, incorporate that into harness racing? Do you think something like that would work in our industry?
2: I think that you'd really have to sit down and uh, put all the pieces together and see if that, if it's worth something that we could do, because I think the one thing uh, I was talking to Dave Reed this morning about it, and uh, you know, he's able to see that side of the thoroughbred industry because of the fact that, uh, you know, he's been associated with some nice thoroughbreds over the years with Lindy farm. So we were talking and I think the biggest thing we want to do is if we did do it, we don't want to do it. Like we're the, uh, You know, we're the stepchild of just trying to put together a uh, halfway done performance, trying to duplicate what they did, but without the budget. So I think if you can find a way to make the numbers work, I think it's definitely something uh, that has some merit. Uh, If the numbers don't work, you know, of course, we're better off trying to support something that's already near and dear to our hearts, like the Breeders' Crown or something like that. But, you know, I think there's a place for this race. It just has to be done the right way.
1: Visiting with Tony Alani, who was at the Pegasus Cup. Tony, I th- um, reading some of the things, and I know the Pegasus Cup had a big, uh, obviously a, a big buzz. Uh, one of the catches was the world's richest horse race, but uh, there was certainly a big side story that may have contributed to the success and the hype of this race, and of course that was the fact that it was the great California Chrome's last race. Do you think maybe that that, had something to do with it that maybe That overrated the buzz slightly Of the Pegasus Cup and as we go Forward maybe next year or the year after if It doesn't have a side story to that magnitude That it won't be as Exciting or as look forward to as a race
2: uh, I agree wholeheartedly. You know, my one of the notes that I made watching the race afterwards was, you know, what, what's going to happen next year when they don't have a horse that, uh, you know, like California Chrome or an Arrogate that's coming together, you know, to, to renew a rivalry. If it's a year where you had to wiggle it and jiggle it and it'll always be Mickey and uh, those type of horses that could put it together, you know, then you've got something to work with. But until then, you know, I don't know if they'll have as much buzz or hype anticipation next year as they did this year.
3: Now, Tony, earlier you said you know maybe contribute to the Breeders' Crown or you know something of those sorts. Do you you think maybe we could kind of hype those races up more, or is it something that you know we just do we have to create something new?
2: Well, I think that, you know, the format for the Pegasus where they, you know, they give the owners or trainers trainer the opportunity to buy a spot, you know, and I think that uh, if you set the right number and you had the right horses, you know, because w- what event do you do it to? What gate do you cater to? You know, with the thoroughbreds, there's one gate. You know, with the standardbreds now, do you do, you know, do you duplicate a race that's already uh, going for a million dollars like the International Trot, get a free-for-all pace for colts and gildings, and if you do that. You know, should there be a Philly counterpart? So, you know, there's a lot of things to think about as far as that. But I like the concept where an owner can buy it once those spots are sold. You know, then there's some negotiating or buying in on a horse or selling it. I I like that buzz that that creates. And I think that uh, that's something we probably didn't see as much of because we're not as involved in the thoroughbred industry. But there was probably a lot of that going on that could make for some great stories in, in our industry but uh it's just a matter of can we support it uh with the horses first off and the the money second off and uh you know like if not you know then you know like i say do we look towards something like you know trying to revamp the breeder's crown where we make it more of an event
1: yeah and this is and this is one of the things that i think was interesting that it was and and it hopefully is going to turn into an event, something that uh, people look forward to. I think it was uh, placed well. I mean, it was in the winter when there's not a whole lot going on. Um, So I think it was placed well in those regards. But, Tony, and I think you alluded, because that was kind of my next question, I think you alluded to it in your past comments. I think the great or the interesting, I don't want to say great because I I think the, the sample size is too small, if you will, but the interesting thing about it is the way this race was put together some of the dynamics it wasn't put together like a regular race i mean you had owners putting up money and you just had some different things uh like negotiating so to speak can you can you see this happening eventually in this in the sport of harness racing can you see something like this happening uh,
2: absolutely that aspect of it i think like i say we is something we're probably weren't as privy to because we're not as heavily involved in the thoroughbreds but you know if you have this kind of uh this kind of setup where you know, Ronnie Burke, uh, buys a spot and then, uh, Jimmy Tactor buys a spot and I buy a spot. Well then, you know, close to the race, you know, I decide I don't have a horse that's good enough for it, but I know that, uh, you know, so-and-so from Illinois has got a heck of a free-for-all horse and he would have never had an opportunity to put the money up. So, you know, do I go to this guy and, uh, you know, we work something out where I'm involved and he uses my spot. I mean, I think there's a lot we can do with that aspect of it, you know, and, you know before we had a two million dollar race where the you know Woodrow Wilson went for two million dollars, and um, I don't think we want to come out and say we just had the richest harness race, and it was two point three million dollars. If we do it, you know we need to really make a statement, and I don't know if we have the horsepower you know coming up where we have ten great horses that can do it at this point, but it's definitely something I think we should look
0: into.
1: Tony Alanya, Tony, we certainly appreciate you joining us before we let you go. We do want to ask you about your horses. I know it's in the winter and we've got the, uh the spring at least it's starting I know you know I don't think Pucks of Tony Phil uh saw in shadow, so I think it's gonna be six more weeks of winter, but spring isn't too far around the corner what uh how are your uh, some of your prospects looking coming into two thousand
2: seventeen? i'm 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 embarrassed to say I'm sitting on the the deck in Florida and it's yeah I figured that <laughs> 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 and and Puck's mctony Phil doesn't have a Coggins to get in the state of Florida, so we're good down here but uh <laughs> I'm really uh really happy with what I got down here in Florida this year, so so far so good it's still early but uh I have a sister to full sister to uh Captain treacherous I'm excited about. And, uh, you know, some other Colts and Phillies and Trotters that I'm happy with as well. But uh, so far, I'm really excited about her.
1: All right. Well, listen, go enjoy your weather. We really feel feel bad for you. (laughs) I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, Tony. You got it. Anytime. All right, that was Tony Alania bringing up some good points there. I thought I got some Pegasus Cup. He's down there in the deck, enjoying a beautiful. And I'll tell you what, listen, we had and we got another guy from South Florida getting ready to come on here in a few minutes, so we're we're getting killed by him. But listen, Mike, we're going to do that show on the deck. You know, this is we, we yeah, had Myron going last week, and it's it's sounding more tempting all the time, even though it hasn't been a bad winter, at least up in my parts. I don't think it's no, even no. snowed. I mean, like
3: maybe a couple of flurries
1: here and there, but certainly no accumulation.
3: Dude, listen. I, I got to tell you, we have not had that much snow at all. I mean, we had a couple of inches here, a couple of inches there, but uh, it's been fantastic uh, so far. And uh, you know, it, it's just it's a uh, it, it's uh, really interesting uh, to see what the winners like. Hey, Mike, real quick before we bring Gabe on, and actually, Gabe, uh, we'll get him to reveal his Super Bowl pick here in just a little bit. But Mike, we haven't given anything away in a while, so I have a uh, I've got a Drew Monte bobblehead sitting in front of me. All right. Uh yeah. let's uh let's give away something. Listen, let's uh you know, if uh you uh can guess who Gabe Pruitt likes in the Super Bowl, we'll give you we'll give you a uh we'll give you the bobble, bobblehead. And the team has to win. There's the kicker. The team has to well, win.
1: Well wait 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 a minute now. Wait a minute.
3: It could be the under, it could be the over. It doesn't necessarily right. have to be a team. Right? So, so well, you know, listen, they got they they gotta pick, you know, they gotta pick who Gabe likes and they gotta pick the over or under. How about that?
1: That sounds good to me. Hashtag send it in. We've got our man Gabe <laughs> Pruitt on the other is, side right? of this break. <laughs> I post time with Mike and Mike presented by BetAmerica.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a disqualification.
7: It doesn't get much worse than picking a winner that ends up being disqualified after the race. What if you could eliminate the stress of sweating out a steward's inquiry? At BetAmerica, we're here to help. Introducing Inquiry Relief. Any winners of a greatest stakes race will get paid out even if they are disqualified after a steward's inquiry. Check BetAmerica.com for details and side effects. Get the relief you deserve with Inquiry Relief only at BetAmerica.com.
1: Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's thestable.ca.
3: We're back on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and the... Uh, I, I'm sad to introduce this this next guy. No, I'm just kidding. His, his pick in the Super Bowl, which we'll get to in a minute, has made me seriously sad. But, Gabe, what we're going to do is – <laughs> There you go. Gabe, uh, what we'll we're going to all do the back, bells and whistles
8: out today, I see. Uh,
3: yeah, that's right. Listen, we're going to get you to set the post time with Mike and Mike over under – and uh, we're gonna have a little bit of a Super Bowl contest uh, this weekend. Uh, but first, let's get to the Pompano action. We were kidding uh, before the sh- before the show that we had nothing to kid you about. So we had to kid you about your uh, <laughs> to kid you about your uh, upcoming Super Bowl pick. But talk to us a little bit about what's going on at the uh uh not the home of the Flying Turns, but the home of the uh, South Florida Horsemen.
0: The winter
8: capital of harness racing, we like to call it, uh, Mike. And um, first of all, I want to uh, say that uh, when everyone gets buried up in the northeast with uh, snowstorms over the next few weeks, they can uh, thank you guys for talking about how nice the winter is <laughs> uh, over the last uh, couple of months. But uh, we've had some great racing action. We had uh, five nights, obviously. we uh, The jackpot I-5 continues to climb. It's over uh, 47,000 now. On uh, Saturday night, only two tickets were out. On Sunday, not only two tickets were out, but uh, continues to uh, narrowly escape. Last night, guys, you may have seen on Twitter, we had a great night, a couple of big carryovers. We had over $8,000 in the pick five carryover, uh, well over 13000 in the pick six. Uh, both those pools uh, reached um, $35,000, $38,000, so very nice pools and some nice payouts as well.
3: Now, talk to us a little bit about the uh, pick four on Sunday. I know we've touched on this a couple of uh, a couple of weeks in a row, but it's interesting to see uh, that pool. And you know, it's kind of unprecedented for Pompadour. We were talking a little bit um, we were talking a little bit last week, Gabe, about you know how the pool used to only be like two, maybe three thousand. You guys were missing twenty five hundred dollar carryovers, and then you know now all of a sudden you guys are able to hit the uh, hit the mark on Sundays. Does that continue to be a success for you?
8: It has. We had uh a little over $25,000 in that pool this past Sunday night. Uh, you know, the low takeout, 12%, I think the fans, uh, you know, have responded. Uh, we've had some competitive sequences on Sunday night. In fact, this past Sunday night, uh, the wager returned over 1850 cents. so great payout. And, um, you know, it's worked really well. We were never satisfied. Uh, again, a couple of years back, we tried to start very slow, obviously, with uh, a couple of $2,500 guarantees and, uh, we were routinely uh, missing them, as, as embarrassing as that is. But uh, once we started to gain some traction, some momentum, uh, we started to uh, regularly add a 5000 R guarantee in, and then we kept stair-step, 510,000. And um, we've seen those 10000 R guarantees on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, we're tracking above that uh, at the moment. Uh, average pool size is around the 13,000 uh, currently, so we've seen success there. And Sunday nights we had an opportunity, obviously, with um, – a lot of tracks uh, dark on Sunday evenings, at least at this point uh, on the calendar. You know, we decided to go on and step up and uh, take a shot with a big guarantee, and uh, the fans have responded. We've been uh, between twenty-five and uh, thirty-two thousand dollars uh, every single week.
3: Now, Gabe, uh, let's talk a little bit about one of the horses that's been racing down there. The horse, Massive Lightning, and I got to give it to John Barry. His his articles, <laughs> they just listen. They get better and better and better every week with the headlines. I think uh, his uh, his byline writer in the uh, back office. You're not paying him enough, but uh, he, you know, the, the it was a this is a five year old uh, gelded son of Muscle Massive. He went one fifty four and three um, with Mike. Excuse me, I was going to say with Mike Simons. I'm wrong, uh, but Mickey McNichol in, in the bike, excuse me. And, and he really looked sharp. I went back and watched the replay. Uh, it was uh, definitely an impressive performance. Uh, what do you think of Massive Lightning?
8: Oh, you know, he's a very nice trotter. He'd been knocking on the door, Mike. He was only beaten a link uh, the week prior by Tater Twister and Rockenstown. He finished third in that uh, effort. Last time out, though, he was just vicious. First up, uh, Tater Twister actually took uh, all the best of it on the lead. He was unpressured throughout most of that race and Massive Lightning put in a a big bid. You know, it really pays off to watch the horses on the track, and a lot of fans like to watch the horses score down and warm up. And Massive Lightning had a great look to him this past week and really caught my eye on the uh, track. And, uh, again, he raced a giant uh, first over and uh, took down the uh, big two-to-five favorite.
3: Now the big question I'm sure all the racing fans want to know, when is Pinocchio coming back and uh, what can we expect from him?
8: Well, we are dark this Sunday for the Super Bowl, um, so we do not uh, have an open pace written for this week. So Pinocchio's is out uh, at least one week, and you know we'll see what type of field he gets in. We might uh, mix things up as far as assigning post positions or whatnot. Pinocchio had another walk in the park. Uh, the other night he's now ten for eleven. He continues to impress. So over we'll four hundred twenty thousand dollars in uh, career earnings, thirty one for forty four at Pomodoro Park. That's uh, an impressive resume.
3: All right. Well, Gabe, sounds like a lot of good things are uh, happening down at the uh, South Florida track. Or is there anything else that uh, you know that's coming up that we really need to start looking for? I know uh, you guys had a big stakes event in February of last year. Is that going to come back up this year?
8: Unfortunately, those events uh, did not fill. We did not get the uh, participation we were looking for. So several guys did step up and uh, enter, but we needed to, to split it into two divisions. We needed anywhere from uh, 12 at a bare minimum, but um, we'd like to have around the 14-14. Uh, a number to go with those events and uh, you know we weren't anywhere near that uh, unfortunately so you know hopefully we can look at that um, you know late closing program maybe revamp those events uh, you know with a little more money because we do have several guys you just talked to one Tony Elijah that um, you know they come down to South Florida for the winter and we really would like to uh, see some of those guys you know step up and maybe give um, some of their starts uh, some of their horses a couple of those starts uh, before they head back up north and I think if we make the incentive uh, right, that uh, we may get that participation.
3: All right. Well, Gabe, uh, we're going to wrap things up here in a bit, but listen. With football, we'll get to your over/underscore here in a second. But with with football season coming, you, you're, there's a song that you're going to have to learn. Okay. With, with, I'm baseball sorry. With baseball season coming,
8: by I mean, the way. With yeah. Baseball
3: season coming. You're going to here. Hold on. You're going to have to learn oh, this song. Oh okay?
8: my gosh! Don't don't play this tough song.
0: <laughs>
8: oh my goodness.
6: <laughs> you know, that's stuff. The you're gonna have to listen to,
3: you know,
8: hey, you know, I tip my cap to the uh cubs they they did it, uh but you know it's a new year. everyone's already forgotten what happened last season
1: oh absolutely <laughs> listen so so give us your Super Bowl pick. Uh, what's the over and under I haven't even seen the over and under it was about eighty
8: well, if anyone tweeted in on that contest and they said uh as far as what side I'm on, you look the wrong side. So that's probably the winning answer uh, to that <laughs> the Twitter contest. But in the Super Bowl, I happen to love Atlanta, and uh, for entertainment purposes only, of course, we'll take those three points.
3: Now, Gabe, real quick, uh, before we let you go, now, this is a total guess on your part, but set the over-under for our contest. What do you think it's going to be?
8: Well, should I set uh, an outrageous number so that everyone can win the contest, or should I be you here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
3: I mean, I'd like to see you guys get cleaned out on
8: giveaway items, but um... – <laughs> If I'm legit, if I'm legitimately setting the uh, line uh, at that total, I think it's going to be a high score game. I would have to, uh, I would have to set that number fifty nine. All right, wow, 59.
1: unbelievable fifty nine. By the way, Gabe, we uh, we saw you on Twitter uh, when we were promoting uh, Tony. Line is going to come on and talk about the Pegasus Cup a little bit. Did you put your uh, racetracks bid in for the uh, the first ever Pegasus Cup for Harness Racing? Did I read that right? You know.
8: I think it's a slam dunk, guys. We're in the uh, winter. As Tony, uh, as you mentioned, Mike, it's a good spot of the uh, calendar to have a race like that. You know, it would be a unique place to host uh, the event because, uh, you know, we see these same states races out at the same tracks um, throughout the course of the year. And a lot of the same horses hooking up over and over. You know, it's been quite some time since we've been able to host a, a marquee event. We've got the weather. Everyone wants to come down to South Florida. Uh, anyway, so I think it'd be a great uh, spot. We would uh, certainly be on board and be willing to sit down and, and discuss uh, any of those opportunities. Um, I think any time, beginning with when the TVG race is over to Meadowlands, maybe starting in mid-November to around this time of year, it would be it would be a great time. And uh, I see no reason why that wouldn't be a uh, home run.
1: And you can have Pete Iello come and call it, so he could be the official Absolutely. voice of the Pegasus
8: Cup for harness and thoroughbred. <laughs> We don't know if we're going to call it the Pompagus or the Pompegus. but you know we're still working on the name. But um, we'll get that uh, dialed in before we have that uh, big race. Carter, get this guy out of here. <laughs> yes,
3: <laughs> right.
8: Well, Gabe, we certainly
3: appreciate. It. Listen, we always find so- this has become one of our uh, our favorite segments. We always find something to kid Gabe about. But uh, listen, one of these days, Mike, we got to watch out. One of these days, he's going to come on the show and have a double dip uh, kidding for us. <laughs> so <laughs> we got to sure really be
8: careful. Is. <laughs> all right, boy, Gabe. wait You're until gonna... baseball season. We may have some <laughs> uh, we may have some interesting topics. There
3: you go, all right, game. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us again today, buddy. All
8: right, thanks, guys.
3: All right. That was Gabe Pruitt, the director of racing operations and track announcer at Pompano Park, and you heard it here first. He set the over-under at 59, so uh, send in your guesses on Twitter and Facebook, and uh, we'll select one winner uh, from all the correct answers on this show uh, next week. What we'll do, I think Mike will just draw them all out of a hat and uh, go from there.
1: Sounds like a plan.
3: Also, by, and it'll win that Drew Monte
1: bobblehead. Actually, look, we're feeling generous. Draw two. We'll send one a hat, too. So we're going to draw two winners, one for a hat, one for a Drew Monte bobblehead. You like how we just make these executive decisions right on the air on the fly?
3: Well, hey, listen, that's what we do. We don't even consult the other one first. You know, first. No, we're we're we back here talking back and forth on Facebook and trying to, you know, hey, are you ready for a question? Are you ready for a question? And then, you know what, these things, they just kind of pop in your head, and you're like, you know what, let's just give something away. What the heck?
1: Next thing you know, we're giving away a new car. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. how We're giving away Bose's
3: car.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: there you go. He can have it. By the way, uh and I know we talked about this, uh Bet America uh, had a had a big announcement concerning Bet America. Are you ready for that announcement, Mike?
3: Uh, let's uh let's do it on the back side of the commercial and I'll get You I'll wanna get do it on the back up. side?
1: because yeah, okay. that way All I can right, get a it it pull. Okay, okay, so we know we're, so we're both on the same page. In other words, right. Mike's like, what the hell are you talking about? When we come back, we're going to have that big announcement because soon we a good sponsor, BetAmerica. Plus, we have Nancy Johansson. She's going to join us, and uh, we've got much, much more. Maybe we'll uh, talk a little bit about the debate. And the fan feed box, too, Mike. The fan feed box is in play now, so we'll have to uh, talk a little bit about that as well. You've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by BetAmerica.
0: Hey, I'm Chantel Sutherland-Cruz and want to tell you all about BetAmerica.com It's the coolest place to bet on horse racing on over 200 racetracks from America and around the world. New players receive a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $300 That's the best sign up bonus available today It's time to play the BetAmerica way
1: Embroidery Unlimited is a premier provider of quality embroidery, screen printing, and promotional products. Our commitment to quality and pride in our work is second to none. We focus on quality and customer service. For all of your stable or business needs, Embroidery Unlimited is the number one provider in harness racing. Give Jip Winsky a call at 508-485-5522. That's 508-485-5522. Or visit them on the Internet at EmbroideryUNL.com. That's EmbroideryUNL.com. Embroidery Unlimited. Here at The Stable, our mission is to provide fair market for owners of yearlings while giving investors the most informative way to purchase all of or part of a horse. The Stable will cater to all budgets by having an open fractional buying market and a flat rate billing system. At The Stable, we aim to minimize the risk in buying and maximize the benefit of selling. Visit thestable.ca and or give Anthony McDonald a call at 519-400-4263. That's 519-400-4263. It's the stable.ca. We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, and speaking about Bet America, Mike, they've got a cool, cool
3: thing coming up, don't they? Yeah, we got an email yesterday uh, from the director of their product marketing, and they are going to be the title sponsor of the World Harness Handicapping Championship coming up at the new Meadowlands Racetrack. They're going to guarantee the prize pool at $50,000, making it the largest harness handicam- in handicapping contest in years. And uh, they said in this email to us they are very, very excited. So it uh, should be a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I I, uh, I, I might have to, who knows, maybe me and you are going to have to get in on this thing. Yeah, that's, by the way, that's scheduled uh, right now for April
1: 29th. So once again, that's at uh, the new Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment, April 29th, 2017. Uh, a great, great job, by bet. America stepping up, guaranteeing that thing at $50,000. They're going to issue a press release, I believe, tomorrow, Mike. So there'll be more information on that as far as the rules and, of course, leading up uh, – to that point Mike and April will certainly be talking about that on this particular program and who knows maybe we could uh, try our luck
3: in that thing $50,000 I could use that kind of money listen what we might we what we might have to check and make sure it's not a uh, not a conflict first so you know Listen, don't go any don't go reporting us yet, okay, folks. we we know we know people like uh like to report, but don't go report us just yet, okay. But uh, listen, uh, on deck we got some great news. Now we talked a little bit about uh you know a little bit of everything today. It seems like, but we've got some uh, baby news uh, to report. Uh, Nancy Johansson is joining the program now, and Nancy, I know you guys are super excited about the foal that was uh, born to J.K. She's a lady.
9: Yeah, I mean, it's very exciting. It's uh, a foal that we've been looking forward to for a year now, so we're really excited that she was born healthy and everything went well.
3: Now, Nancy, uh, have you guys named the foal yet, or is uh, is that still up in the air?
9: Um, I think that the owners are leading towards uh, J.K. First Lady. Um, the mayor is, or J.K., she's a lady's mom's name is Presidential Lady. So it kind of, you know, goes in, in that theme. And then as well, it's she's a lady's first foal. So I guess First Lady is kind of a fitting name. And then she's going to have the J.K. before, um, as Three Brothers stables, they name all their horses uh, in honor of their father, Jack Cats J.K., so she'll be J.K. First Lady, most likely.
1: Wow, J.K. First Lady, that sounds good. Tell us a little bit about uh, J.K. She's a Lady, your experiences and her throughout her career.
9: Well, I mean, she was just the nicest horse to be around. I mean, obviously, she didn't do much wrong. She won 13 straight races for us, and unfortunately, you know, her racing career was cut short uh, because of sickness in her three-year-old year, but You know, we we did the right thing for her and quit with her, you know, when she was, we never wore her out or anything like that. So I think that she's, you know, going to still have a lot of goodness in her um, as a brood mare. So, you know, hopefully everything will keep going smoothly. I mean, her first foal is absolutely gorgeous, according to, she's at Hanover Shoe Farm, and Dr. Jablonski uh, told me that she's got a beautiful foal and She's got a lot of spunk to her. She's, you know, the first day they took her out to the field and usually the mare's leading the foal and the foal is a little unsure and not so qu- confident. So they followed their moms very closely. And uh, first lady was first. She led, she's a lady out to the field and was running around and she actually hit the pace already. So I think there's going to be, uh, you know, lots of anticipation for her to finally get into our barn and into training. But, you know, we've got to wait a whole another year before we can even do that, or a year and a half, even so. But it's exciting, it's very exciting.
3: Now, Nancy, uh, talk to us a little bit about how uh, how it went for her. I know this is her first full. Did she have any uh, problems, or was it pre- a pretty smooth
9: process? No, it was a smooth process. I mean, when we bred her, she got in full right away. Um, she was actually due January 17th, so she went over with 11 days. But I mean, that's kind of common, especially for a January full. And, you know, the weather kind of might dictate that a little bit. Nobody wants to foal when it's freezing cold out. So usually, you know, and maiden mares will usually go over a little bit. So, you know, she, she had a healthy foal and the foaling went well and she seems to be a good mom, which is always important too. I mean, you don't really know how mares are going to react, you know, all of a sudden they have this little alien uh, foal in their stall. Like where did you come from? But um, she's being a good mom. So, you know, what is, as long as she's a lady, got through foaling great and the baby's healthy, at this point we couldn't really ask for more.
1: I think that's what a lot of our listeners, especially maybe on the gambling side of it, uh, don't realize is, uh, you know, the, 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 I mean, everything that starts obviously starts with the birth of a racehorse. Then there's that relationship between uh, the mother and the, and obviously the baby horse. And then the baby horse starts to get braver and starts to race and not race, but starts to get into training and starts to develop its legs a little bit. Tell us about uh, how long, and I know you mentioned a little bit about a year, year and a half before the horse gets into training, but um, in the early stages, what are some of the things that you guys can do to kind of get the horse going in the right direction in the, uh, like prior to being a year old, or is that something that a horse just kind of has to learn on its own, a baby horse?
9: Well, I think a lot of it, the horses learn from instinct. I mean, obviously, I mean, it's, nurture versus nature, I guess, a lot of times. I mean, it's up to the breeding farms to make sure that the babies are vaccinated the way they're supposed to, so things get, you know, they're as healthy as possible it's growing up. I mean, obviously, you don't want a, a foal to have pneumonia or sickness or anything like that. Is those things could, you know, linger and affect their career as racehorses later if they have lung issues or breathing issues, and you want them to grow strong and straight. I mean, it's very important that the, the farms stay after the um, the correctiveness of of the yearling is how they stand. And you can do that, I mean, through shoeing. And, you know, sometimes they have to put braces and stuff on horses. But for the most part, just correctively shoeing them if they're towing in or out a little bit, those are all things that with good management can be avoided to be issues when the horse actually does make it to training. But right now, like, as far as First Lady goes, I mean, she's going to spend the next nine, ten months at She's a Lady's side. You know, they get turned out with other horses and, you know, so right now nature is going to do most of its part. And then once they get weaned, you know, they get sent out into a, a, a field of other weanlings at that point. And then, you know, it's just growing. And I mean, obviously, nutrition is also another thing that, is an important factor i mean you want to make sure that the horses get the best nutrition available so they have the fuel to grow into a nice strong racehorse you know when they finally finally make it to my barn but there's a lot that can go wrong i mean they can get kicked by another horse in the field or you know stumble or trip or you know get sick like i mentioned earlier you know a lot of things there's a lot of things that have to go right you know to get a jk she's a lady or an always be mickey or something like that throughout their entire racing career and it starts you know from the foaling
1: <laughs> all right nancy joanne so nancy what uh, tell us what we can expect from your stables in 2017 how are your prospects looking coming into this year
9: Well, darling on the beach is back in training. Um, Absolutely love, love how she's coming back. Um, She grew a ton between her three and four year old season. I actually had her on the scale the other day and she's tipping 1145 pounds now. And last year she was at 1022. So she's put on a lot of weight and she looks absolutely fabulous. So we look forward to raising her. And we have some three year olds that were lightly raised last year that were kind of, you know, we, we put them away early. Um, to save a little bit for their three-year-old season so hopefully some of those mature nicely and then we have a really nice group of babies uh particularly some nice pacing fillies
1: all right nancy we certainly appreciate you joining us obviously best of luck to the fall and best of luck to you in 2017 i know we'll probably uh chat with you before steak season starts
9: sounds good we need a lot of luck all the way through
1: all right thanks nancy thanks bye-bye All right. That was Nancy Johansson. Uh, First full for J.K. She's a Lady. And uh, Mike, that's an interesting topic because a lot of people, you know, especially gamblers, you know, you look at the program and, you know, you're handicapping horses that are three, four, that are two, three, four, five, six, and obviously older. But there's a lot of development that needs to take place from a horse, uh, a racehorse, when they're born to the time of that year year and a half where they start training a lot of uh you know a lot of natural instincts i think nancy brought it up well it depends on a lot of the natural instincts and
3: a lot of the natural talent that the horse develops during that first year of life yeah you know it's interesting because uh she said that the horse has already hit the pace i I think a lot of people don't realize that the trot is a is a is a, normal, uh, is a normal kind of gait for, right. ho- for most horses. So they have to teach these horses to pace, and for that horse to already kind of knowingly hit the pace, that's, a, that's impressive as it is. Well, not
1: quite sure where this hour has gone, but uh, we're getting ready to wrap things up on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. When we come back, we'll do just that on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by our good friends at Bet America.
5: Hello, this is Kayla Stra, and I'm here to tell you all about BetAmerica.com. It is the fastest growing legal, safe, and secure website to place all your bets on horse racing. BetAmerica covers over 200 racetracks from North America, the UK, and my home country, Australia. New players to BetAmerica receive 100% bonus on your first deposit up to $300. That's the best sign-up bonus available today. It's time to play the BetAmerica way.
1: Consider who we are. According to the 2010 equine census, we are 28,340 people with 81,000 horses on 16,040 properties that comprise 587,000 acres. Our assets are $5.6 billion. Our direct operating expenses are $363 million, and our economic impact has never been accurately measured, but is in the billions. We are every breed and every discipline in the horse world, and we are the place where many of those disciplines began in these United States. We are the Maryland Horse Council. For more information, visit mdhorsecouncil.org. That's
0: mdhorsecouncil.org.
1: Back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Time to wrap things up. Mike Bozich along with Mike Carter, certainly a fast hour a lot of great guests. Special thanks to all the guests uh, here on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike for taking time out to join us. And, Mike, we've got uh, some exciting things coming up. We've got – let's see. We've got American Calls of the uh, Prix de Paris coming up, right, Mike?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Uh-huh. No, I'm just
1: kidding.
4: <laughs> Listen,
3: <laughs> one of us is going to call the uh, the uh, pre de Paris and the Prix de France coming up on the 12th and the 26th. Uh, so uh, you know that's going to be a lot of fun. And the the other thing we have coming up, and it's a big big one, Mike, is the USTA presidential debate.
1: That's right. That's coming up on Thursday, February 16th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, there are five candidates now uh, for the debate. I think last time we talked, there were three, but now there are five. Freddie Hudson and Jason Settlemore have thrown their hats in the ring, and they have committed uh, to doing the two thousand sixteen the 2017 presidential debate. So we'll have all five of those candidates, and uh, we're working on formats and uh, so forth, and we're still taking fan questions and directors' questions as well. So email us at Mike at posttime uh, post at Mike com. Once again, that's Mike at posttime with mikeandmike.com to uh, make sure your questions get answered. And we've got the fan feed box open, Mike. Can you believe this? A fan feed box. And here's how it's going to work. I got a couple of questions asking me how it's going to work, so I figured I'd explain it. All you have to do, is leave a message at four four three nine nine three nine six one four. The number is on our website. If you can't remember it, it's four four three nine nine three nine six one four. You can ask anything uh, about the sport of harness racing, and uh, or give your comment about anything in the sport of harness racing, and uh, we very well may play it in the on the air, Mike, if it's uh, if it's suitable for uh, our PG audience. Our rpg audience, listen to you oh man well it's a family audience. show mike it's a family show so we've got a so basically we've got a lot coming up so like us on facebook follow us on twitter because we've got the american calls of the two big uh, uh races and parents coming up plus we have the debate plus we have the fan feed box, and uh we just we're off the hook with things going on mike just off the
3: we got it listen we got a ton of stuff and uh you know it, it's just it's a lot coming up and we've got actually got a conference call here just after the show uh where uh you know where we've got some things coming up and we're really excited we should have our uh our schedule to uh to be announced very soon right
1: absolutely well so we'll tie on all the loose
3: ends and for the american calls
1: of the races in paris please uh follow us on our uh, website and uh, like us on facebook and twitter because we're uh, definitely going to be updating as far as what times uh that we're going to be on the air we had a lot of success with that last year so we're going to uh try to duplicate it and uh, we'll see what happens well mike you got anything else my good friend
3: no i think that's it what i had i it's it's gone so uh you know what <laughs> what else what else is new
1: well, that's all right. The show closes running anyway, so I think it's time to wrap yeah, this bad boy great. up. On behalf of all of our guests and all the crew here at Post Time with Closing Mike and Mike, uh, it's Mike Bozich. We will once again see you next Thursday afternoon with a post time of one o'clock. Good afternoon, everybody.
3: See ya. Closing time. Turn all of the lights. Last call for alcohol, so
4: finish your whiskey or beer.
0: Closing time,
2: you don't have to go home, but you can't stay
0: here. I know!